Welcome to Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle. I'm Bobby Osinski, and this is a show all about music, music production, and the music business. My guest this week is custom music producer Kyle Hunter. But first of all, there's a new Grammy rulebook. The Recording Academy came out with 66 pages of new rules that are mostly refining the categories. This is a long time in coming because a lot of the things that happened in the past were not very well defined. And as a result, we had some things that happened in certain categories that no one was pleased with. This might be a little different, though, this time. First of all, the album has been defined, surprisingly enough. No one ever knew for sure what an album was. Now there's a real definition. It's defined as having at least five tracks, and they have to be completely different songs, not different mixes. And they have to have a playing time of at least 15 minutes. Now, you might think, oh, wait a second, that's pretty easy. Well, not in this day and age, because songs are really short. And that's illustrated best by Lil Nas X last year. He was a nominee for Album of the Year with his EP7. And it just barely qualified under the rules this year because it has eight tracks and it runs about 18 minutes long. Eight tracks in 18 minutes. So you can see how short songs are these days. There's a lot more though. For Best New Artist, now it says that voters have to focus on performances and not songwriting or production. And a lot of times this gets blurred. So now they're trying to unblur it a little bit, clear it up, and make it a little bit more fair, I think. Another thing they did was better define country and gospel and contemporary Christian categories. Basically what they said was, if it's country, it has to sound like country. And if it's gospel and contemporary Christian, it has to talk about God. Otherwise, it doesn't fit. So that certainly makes sense. Here's something that I thought made a lot of sense. It said, in the best musical theater album category, you have to listen to the album and don't vote for the show. That's so easy to do. Sometimes you can go see a show and be blown away by it where that becomes primary and the music is a secondary feel. So hopefully people will divorce the show itself from the actual music in the future here. Another thing that was well-defined is the manners of everybody, both on committees, which sometimes can get really heated, and you can find some very unpleasant exchanges Well, not anymore. If that happens, you can be cut out for good and never be on another committee. For some people, actually, that's a blessing, having served on several committees in the past myself. But it also talks about artists trash-talking other nominees. So, in fact, you can be dropped from your category if you do that. I think that's kind of extreme. It would take a lot for them to do that, but at least now it's in the rule book. The other thing is they're trying to get categories that really mean something. If it doesn't have a lot of entries, then there's now alternatives. So for instance, if there's not at least 40 distinct artist entries in the category, then the number of nominations is going to change from five to three. And if it drops below 25, the category immediately goes into hiatus for the next year and there's no award given. To make matters worse, if it drops below 25 entries for three consecutive years, the category is discontinued. And then they're making it really hard to put new categories in because now you have to have at least two-thirds supermajority vote, both on the awards nominations committee and the board of trustees, in order to become an official category. So you can see that they're tightening things up. All I can say is it's about time. These things needed to be defined, and especially as music changes, we need to define things a lot better 
in situations like this so there's fewer hurt feelings in the long run. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyowinnercircle.com. You can also sign up for my free vocal mixing techniques mini course at bobbyosinskicourses.com and download free ebooks and PDF downloads on mixing, production, mastering, and social media at bobbyosinski.com forward slash free hyphen resources. Now, artists and bands have been hit pretty hard by not having a venue to play at, but orchestras too. But now they're attempting to make a comeback just as music venues are as well. The only problem is, how do you get 100 musicians safely on stage? Well, this is especially important because it was found that just one person at a choir practice infected 52 other people. And they're not sure if it's a result of spit while singing or breath or forced air from lungs. Just not sure. So when you get a lot of people in a small space at the same time, of course, everybody gets concerned. And especially when musicians are blowing through wind instruments. So what happens with a tuba or an oboe, for instance? Well, it turns out there was a study in Germany where they used a smoke-filled room with players doing their thing in order to find out what happens. And interestingly enough, they found out that there was very little air disturbance around wind instruments. They weren't launching droplets, and what they found was, as basic physics would tell you, that the air coming out the bell of an instrument is moving a lot more slowly than when it went in in the mouthpiece. So what they ended up determining was that there has to be at least six feet in between players. Well, that's social distancing, and it's pretty much what we're doing everywhere. But they're also putting up plexiglass shields in between sections. So that's pretty new. What do you think the worst instrument is for all this? Well, the flute, believe it or not. It found out that there was more aerosols or droplets coming out of that instrument than anything else. Still, what orchestras are going to do is have a lot fewer people on stage. They're thinking about 55 And what they'll also do is, just like with athletes, they're going to test them before rehearsals and concerts just to make sure that everybody's safe. My guest this week is Kyle Hunter, who started producing music for artists, but soon learned about the world of sync licensing and custom music. He also co-founded Rhythm Couture, which now counts for Ever 21, Vans, Calvin Klein, New York Times, and many more major brands among their clients. The company also has a large music library representing a wide range of genres and styles, featuring affordable prices for content creators in almost any situation. During the interview, we talked about making the transition from producing artists to custom production, balancing between being creative and overseeing a business, dealing with fast turnaround times, the latest music trends, and much more. I spoke with Kyle via Zoom from his home in New York City. Tell me how you get into music. All right. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because uh, I come from like a musical family. My dad, he was a, a jazz musician. So he played in a lot of different bands and things like that, you know. So I kind of early on, I got adjusted to music. 
And then uh, my mom on the flip side, she was more so into like gospel music. So, you know, I had jazz and gospel, you know, both worlds. So I would listen to a lot of different music in the house and um, started doing like a lot of just uh, poetry in the beginning. And then that kind of led to doing hip hop. I grew up in Queens, New York. So for me, I saw a lot of different uh, Queens musicians from LL Cool J, Run DMC. You know, it's just so much talent yeah. out here. So you, you really couldn't go far without seeing somebody famous. So, you know, just culturally, it was a big thing out in Queens. So, um, yeah, I just grew up just, just doing music. Um, you know, eventually I started doing like a lot of mixtapes locally. And uh, what I did was I would sell a lot of those mixtapes out of the trunk of my car, just kind of going from shop to shop, um, borough to borough, Bronx, Brooklyn, Manhattan, and just generating a lot of buzz locally. And then what happened was a, um, a local DJ actually started spinning my music for a lot of different industry people. And from that point, I really started doing a lot of just uh, production for different musicians, a lot of ghostwriting. And a lot of those records got shopped to like major labels for major artists. And, you know, subsequently I started working with like a lot of big people like Kanye West artist Kid Cudi, Nick Cannon. I did some work with him, uh, just a lot of different people in the industry, you know, and started making a lot of just legway in terms of just getting my name out there the notoriety and things like that. And from that point, things just really just came together. You know, musically, like it kind of like just uh, Tetris, you know, all the pieces kind of fall in the right place, you know. So yeah. that's really how I got started, you know, in a nutshell. But then producing for artists is different than what you're doing now. Yeah. Yes. It's a big stretch. It's a big stretch. So how I made the transition from being a music producer to actually where I'm at now is very interesting. You know, I did a lot of tracks for a lot of different people. And I was approached by a person in the music industry by the name of Sarah Hunt. And Sarah was like, she's a really good person. You know, she was big into uh, music licensing and things like that. And she still is today. And she basically told me, she said, hey, I like your music, but I would like to pitch your music for television and film. And this is like, I want to say like, 2010. So this is about a decade ago. And at the time, I didn't, I wasn't too familiar with that. You know, it was something that was very foreign to me. And I'm like, what is that? Like, you know, like I'm thinking about record sales and going gold and charting and all that stuff. And she's like, well, you know, it's an outlet that a lot of people, they really don't do. But she was like, you know, the people that do do it, they do very well for themselves. So I said, all right, you know, so I was dealing with her. Then I was also dealing with another agent. And I'll never forget the day the other agent had called me and said, hey, you know, I got some um, some money for you. And I'm like, well, OK, you know, and then it was five thousand dollars. And I said, wow, this I said, what is this for? Like this, this is so foreign to me. You know, And he's like, oh, this is one of your songs got, you know, pitched for a commercial and got the placement. I said, wow. So this is like really a thing, you know, like I can actually, you know, sustain a living actually from getting sync placements and getting my music placed. So from that point, that's when I started realizing that there were so many other opportunities available. And that's when I started really getting into more syncs. I got over like 500 placements, wow. you know, dealing with yeah, different companies, um, product placements, advertisements. And I just continued on that path. And then eventually it just became like a natural progression for me 
because a lot of people that would hear my music naturally, they would reach out to me. So they would say, hey, you know, I heard your music in this TV show or I heard it in this commercial. I want to lease something from you or I want a custom song. So I said, all right. You know, so I started doing custom production for a lot of these different companies. And it really just progressed to the point where I said, well, you know what? I might as well actually have my own company and actually just take it to the next level because I'm doing so much and I have so many talented producers that I deal with and that I work with. It just became a natural progression, you know? So that's how I actually founded Rhythm Couture. And I started with my business partner, Robert, and we pretty much just made it a focal point to actually just cultivate a company that's very artist friendly and artist driven at the same time time so you know i think that's really a, a big difference from what we do it's like you know we are musicians so even though you have a lot of companies they got you know millions of dollars invested into them and all these, these venture capitalists and stuff like that we are really just a you know a independent company that's really thriving so you know that that's pretty much how i got started where i'm at today you know how much actual production do you do anymore? Because you said you had a lot of artists and producers that work with you, and I looked at your roster, and you do. So much of that has to do with administration of what they're doing, kind of looking yeah. over what they're doing, and that takes away from time being creative. So how do you balance that? Yeah, you know, that that's a, a great, great question. You know, And it is challenging because when you are a musician, you're naturally creative. So, you know, you love to create that. That's my passion. You know, I love to write. I love to produce. But to your point, being a, a CEO of a company, it requires a lot on the business end. So the dynamic where I used to be able to just say, hey, you know, I'm going to record five songs today. Those days are gone. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. I, you know, I, I can't because it's like everything is time management. So I have to run a company and I actually have to also manage my artist so i got to make sure that certain deadlines are met you know if a company says hey we want a, a commercial and we need it with a quick turnaround well i got to make sure that that gets done you know so it is challenging but what i do a lot nowadays is time management so i really find myself saying all right you know if i have to do these things during the course of the week let me try to just cut out even if it's like you know for four hours on a day you know, I can just be creative and, and kind of just get the creative juices flowing because, you know, I do a lot of writing, too. So whether it be for singers or whatever, you know, songs for them to have and we could pitch those songs, too. So I think it's important. You know, you got to have that, that balance. Like it can't be work all the time because you just get burnt out and, you know, you get to that point where it could become a drag. So, you know, I think for our, uh, our sanity, <laughs> it's important. Yeah, time management is a really difficult skill to get your arms around. For a lot of people, anyway, it seems like you've managed to do it. But what I've found is there are some people that just cannot grasp the concept of time management. They get pulled one way, and they do something until they get pulled another way, even though they'll have a list of things to do. I have one very good friend in particular that's like that, that just cannot get his arms around it. But I've always found the same thing as you. I have to do this, 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 and this, and I'm going to find a way to do all these things today. And then still have some time, you know, for myself to do whatever. 
So congratulations for learning that. Not many people do. Thank you. Thank you, man. You know, hey, it's, it's like, you know, you learn by fire. You got, <laughs> you got to get in and get burned. I'm like, all right, this has to work. I got to figure out a way to put all these pieces together. Yeah. So, yeah. You mentioned a quick turnaround. What is a quick turnaround? Well, it depends. You know, like some companies, they'll say, all right, we want you to score a soundtrack for this movie. And normally with movies, you have a bit more time, you know, because they already got the scripts and everything like that. They tell you what they want for certain scenes, for certain characters. And we got more time. But sometimes like when we're dealing with like ad campaigns and things like that, they can be on really tight time frames, you know, and they say, hey, you know, I need this like yesterday. So at that point, you got to get everybody together, all the musicians that we feel would fit that project and say, all right, well, this, this is what they want. This is the sound that they're going for. We need you guys to create this, you know, and we need a quick turnaround. So I think the best thing about our company is that we don't have like thousands of artists. Like we really have like a roster of 25 artists right now and everybody does what they do very well. So if we need a guitar player, you know, then I'll reach out to one of our artists named Medic, you know, or if we need a certain sound that's, um, you know, it could be like a folk singer. Then we got Amelia Wilcox, you know, a talented musician from Vermont. So we have different people that specialize in different things and that helps with the quick turnaround. So, you know, it could be like within maybe like two days, we could crank out a song and have it ready to go. When you get asked to do a custom song, do they ask you to pitch it? And are you in competition with a bunch of other people doing the same thing? Or when they ask you, that's just, okay, they're going to use it. They're going to use what I give them. You know what? When they want, like, let's say, like, a, a company will come to us and say, hey, we need a custom song for our company. They're normally coming to us because they know that they're going to get the product that they need because they've heard a similar sound. So they normally gauge it by something they've heard on our website and say, hey, I like this song. Could you make me a song similar to this? You know, so they already tailor it to us. The situations where they're, they're broader are normally like, let's say it could be like for, you know, a movie and you've got all these different sync licensing companies competing for the same soundtrack. So they'll say, hey, you know, I want this action packed song that's just bigger than life. And, you know, meanwhile, they're, they're reaching out to like 10 other companies. So the quick turnaround is important because, you know, at least you can be competitive and still be relevant. Because, you know, if you're taking five months to get a song, they're like, you know, yeah. it's, we, we, you know it's just not going to work. So, yeah, those, those situations can be a bit more competitive, you know. And in those situations, we normally, if they ask for like two songs, we'll normally give them like six, you know, just to have extra options in that case. Are there any trends in what you're being asked for? Yeah. Um, you know, I find that everything goes in waves, you know? So I think now the, the wave is that in terms of like, there's a lot of people that they ask for hip hop tracks, but the trend right now is, is music that I would say is not very content driven. You know, it's more so about the production value. So there's a lot of, um, they call it quote unquote mumble rap, hmm. you know, for lack of better words, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. people not making sense. They, they just, 
you know, humming a humming a humming, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, not, not nouns and verbs together properly. But this is what the trend is, you know, and this is what what a lot of people want. So, I mean, you know, we 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 try to hold ourselves to a certain standard musically. So even though that's what they want, like we'll still have our musicians make sense of that so it's like all right even though they might want to quote unquote mumble rap song let's still try to infuse that with some type of artistic integrity so you know even the production value might be similar to that the content is still there so people can still appreciate it and say all right you know this is uh this is something that i can actually make sense of you know when i looked at your website what struck me right away was these guys are doing something that's very creative, that's not cookie cutter. It's just as you say, you're trying to infuse your artistry into what they're asking for. And it really came across in your website. So congratulations for that, because I, I got the feeling immediately, there's something else going on behind the scenes here. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate it. You know, and, that, and that's what we're all about, like artistic integrity, and, you know, and that goes with the music, but then even on the business side too, like how we deal with our musicians, um, how we engage them in terms of just making sure they understand the business side too, because a lot of times, you know, artists will deal with companies, but they really won't understand how the mechanics of the business works. So it's a holistic approach and it's really like a family environment. Like, we, you know, we're just really passionate from start to finish to make sure everything crosses the finish line successfully. I was really surprised when I looked at your prices. They're very inexpensive, but they're also segmented. And it's the right price for the right audience, it seemed, the, the, the right client. Absolutely. So how'd you come up with that? That's a tough one. Yeah. You, you know what? I think that um, there was a time where in terms of just like music licensing that the major record labels really dominated. So it was like, you know, if you wanted custom music, if you wanted something that was a large production value for, let's say, your your big motion picture, you would go to the major record labels because that's just what it was. So, you know, we really made it a point to say, well, what we want to do, we want to be accessible too, because even though we deal with like big companies that have big budgets that they give us, I didn't want us to outclass the everyday working person, you know, that has a nine to five and they're, they're passionate about what they do and they're a filmmaker. They don't have a large budget, but they still want quality music. So I think that was important for us to make sure that we're accessible to those people too, because ultimately we want to see people win, you know, and when those people win, we win too, because, you know, today's nobody is tomorrow somebody. That's what I always say. So, you know, it, all it takes is that right opportunity. And they'll look back and they'll say, hey, you know what? I got a great track from Rhythm Couture. The production value was amazing. And, you know, those relationships, they take you across the finish line even further, you know? Yeah. So that that's important. You know, being accessible, not being too Hollywood with the prices and, you know, just, just uh, meeting people where they're at. Again, very affordable for just about anybody especially at the inexpensive prices going for the average person, the average content creator. Are those songs or pieces coming from your library or are they custom? Yeah. So those songs, like let's say that someone wants a unlimited yearly subscription. 
So for an unlimited yearly subscription, it's $150. A person can download as much content as they want, but that's not custom music. Yeah. You know, so those are songs that are already in the library and people have access to that. Now, for the bigger production houses that, you know, let's say that they want music that's custom, well, yeah, those prices, are, those budgets are much bigger that we deal with, you know. So we make sure we tailor everything for the, the right demographic, but at the same time, we're accessible. So even if, let's say, a person doesn't have a major budget, but they do want a custom song, well, then we have a department that contacts them and says, okay, well, you know, tell us your budget. You know, what are you working with? And we can try to work with you to give you something that can meet your budget. I saw that you have two studios, one in New York and one in Vermont. Yeah. I know you're based in New York. The Vermont one was kind of a head scratcher. So what's up with that? <laughs> well, you know what's funny? <laughs> you know what's funny? My, my business partner, Robert, He's in uh, Vermont. Ah, uh, okay. So, right. So, you know, so he owns that studio location out there. And, uh, yeah, we got a lot of a lot of talented musicians out there in Vermont, too. So, I mean, all, globally, we got guys all over the, the world, but we got a, quite a few people in Vermont, too. So, uh, yeah, we have, have dual locations. Okay, you know? got it. <laughs> Are most of your clients U.S.-based? You know what? It's actually international. We, we get people all over. You know, I, I mean, it, it's amazing how just global we have become. And it's just from all over. I've had people in Germany. I could have people reach out that are over in uh, Paris that need custom music. So I just think that it's a dual thing that we got going on in terms of word of mouth, but then also just the, the work speaking for itself. Like so many people have come to us and say, hey, I heard your music. And, uh, you know, this Ralph Lauren ad. Or, you know, Case Box, I heard your song in power on TV and I love your music. Like, you know, so it's a global thing. Like we get clientele from all over the world. And, um, you know, I'm just grateful for that because that just speaks volume to the work ethic, you know, and the quality of the music that we put out. I've talked to a number of publishers recently that were telling me that the sync business has really gotten killed with the coronavirus that we're going through now. Have you found in your business that that you've been hurt by this? Has it been a price thing or is it because advertising has, has really decreased and prices for ads have decreased. So I would imagine that affected you as well. Yeah. Well, you know how it affected us is really the, the physicality of it. So meaning that with this coronavirus, all the social distancing and being that I'm based in New York, you can't interact physically with people, you know, and our business is really, it's digital, but it's also physical because you got to get out there. You got to meet people. You got to network. And sometimes, you know, some people just don't want to communicate strictly via email. Sometimes people want to sit down and, you know, they want to be able to look you in the eye and, and see that you're a person of character and have substance, you know, and be able to actually seal the deal in person. So being that we can no longer physically get out there, it has impacted everyone in that regard, you know. But um, in terms of the digital base of our business, that's actually still doing well, you know, because people are home, obviously, people are creating and they need content for whether it be for YouTube or whatever projects they're working on. So people are, are making purchases, you know, so we're, we're doing we're doing well, you know, considering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you say that the company's been going for 10 years? 
I've been doing sync for 10 years. Okay. Yeah, I've been doing sync for 10 years. But uh, yeah, me and Robert incorporated actually not too long ago. You know, like it, it hasn't been very that long, but things have taken off so fast for us and the growth has just been exponential. So, you know, it's great. Let's just go to sinks here. When you're in the, the sync world, what was the biggest mistake you made? Hmm. You asked some really great questions, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's my job. Yeah, man. You, you good, man. Um, all right. So I, I would say this. I think um, when I first got started, the the mistake that I made a lot of times that they often do is when you're a musician, uh, sync companies will present you with a non-exclusive agreement. And... Um, if you're not careful with the terms, the terms might not be exactly ideal. Now, what I mean with that is that a lot of sync companies will say, all right, let's discuss publishing. And they'll say to you, well, you know, you, you keep 100% of your writer's share of your publishing, but we're going to take 100% of the publishing. And that was a mistake that I made in the beginning that I had to learn because the reality, you know, is that at the end of the day, publishing is your lifeline, yeah. you know, like that, that's your retirement plan right there. You know, you should never let anyone take your publishing from you because that's the thing that 20 years from now, you know, you still got income coming in from that publishing. So why would you sign that away? And, you know, some companies do do that. They'll say, Hey, you know, we need to take this publishing for you. And I don't agree with that. You know, I feel that in regards to publishing that, the artist is just as important as the business. So yeah, granted, you might pitch a song for an artist and you might get them in the Super Bowl commercial and that's great, but does that really mean you should rob them of uh, all of their publishing? You know, I mean, is that really ethical? I mean, it's business, but when we're talking about ethics and actually just treating people like you want to be treated, you know, is that fair? So, you know, what we really do is like, we do the opposite. Like, you know, we don't strip artists of all their publishing. We split it, you know? So we'll say, hey, this is fair because it's a 50-50 arrangement. Granted, we're working the music, but we do respect the music that you're bringing to the table. So we're not going to strip you of your publishing, you know? So, and that's only for that sync placement. So, you know, they, they retain 100% of publishing, whatever else they do on their own. But for the placement, we do split it 50-50 with them. You mentioned before about how you had the woman, Sarah was her name, she came to you and you weren't aware of the sync world at the time? Right. Would you consider that your big break or was there another one that happened where all of a sudden you, you went, okay, yeah, now this is kind of happening. I get this now. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it was two things. So uh, when, when Sarah first approached me, I didn't know at the time, but that was actually life-changing because after she reached out to me, that set off all these chains of events that really started to push me into the sync direction. Because prior to that, all I knew was album sales, you know, ghostwriting and producing for artists. And this is how you're supposed to make a living as a musician. You know, I wasn't exposed to this other world. So once she pulled back the curtain, I'm like, wow, this was like a, a big changer, you know? And then the second thing was, uh, she actually got one of my songs placed in a monster energy ad campaign. Wow. And, you know, and that took off. And, you know, I started noticing like my social media really started blowing up and all these 
followers that drink Monster Energy. And I'm like, who are these people? She's like, oh, we you got you in Monster Energy. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh-huh. Like, this, this is pretty cool. So, yeah, you know, th- th- those moments I look back on, I say, wow, you know, everything happens for a reason. And even though you can't really pinpoint it at the moment, when you look back, you say, wow, you know, all these things happen so that I could be in the position that I am today. So, yeah, I'm appreciative, you know. Yeah, it's funny how those things happen. As you say, you don't realize it at the time, usually, that it might be something that's life-changing. You're just kind of going with the flow at the moment. And you know you know, it's crazy? Sometimes I think, I said, wow, man. I said, you know what? What would have happened if I never responded to her? Because, you know, I, I, I used to get so many emails and, you know, everybody's claiming they're going to do this and do that. And I, I'm pretty sure the same with you, you know, it's happened. Mm-hmm. You get emails from people and you're like, here we go again, you know? But unfortunately... Uh, that time I didn't say that and you know, everything worked out <laughs> the way it did. Sometimes it works out for the better. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 Before coronavirus, what was changing in the business? Was there a big change that you saw happening from the time you got in to, to now? Um, yeah. So, you know, basically, um, I think that there's a lot of companies that are changing the dynamics of the business. I feel like Artless is one of those companies that shook things up a bit because of their business model. You know, you you basically have uh, people that are able to get subscriptions and they get unlimited music. But in addition to the unlimited music, they have a broader range with that music as well. So, you know, if you pay the one ninety nine subscription, you could do a lot of different things with that music and sync companies we're like on the other side of that because even though we do do subscriptions, there are limitations. So, you know, for like our unlimited subscription for $150, you can't pay that and then use some of that music in a big motion picture, Sure, you know, where you got like a $30 million budget. Like, you know, we have to negotiate proper terms, you know? So I think that that really shifted a lot of things because then there was like this divide. It was like, all right, the sync companies are like, no, that's, it's not cool, you know, and artists is like, well, you know, this is how we do business. So it's, you know, it's like things kind of disruptive in, in a way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Last question, Kyle. And thanks for your time. I'm so glad we did this. Thank you for reaching out. No, I, absolutely. I, look, I appreciate you having me and, you know, taking time. I'm a fan of your work. Man. Oh, thank you, man. What is the best piece of business advice that you either learned along the way or maybe somebody imparted to you? Wow. Okay, so this is the best. Well, I'm gonna give two. All right. The the first one is don't get burned trying to keep other people warm. (laughs) Right. I love it. (laughs) Like you know, because people will will use you, and it can be emotionally, and it can be mentally draining, and. You know, sometimes when you're just a naturally good spirited person, you want to help people, you know, especially people that are in your inner circle, whether it be family or friends. But if you don't learn how to compartmentalize those relationships, they can really run you down sometimes, you know. So you got to learn like, you know, hey, if this person is calling you and every time they call, they're asking for money or if it's not money, then, you know, they're emotionally draining and always talking about all things that are bad and nothing's ever positive. You got to say, all right, time out. You know, I, I can only talk to you maybe five minutes out of the day, you know, <laughs> I, can't, I, 
I can't, I can't do this. Yeah. You know? And, um, I would say the second thing is, uh, persistence wears down resistance. So, you know, no matter what you want to do in life, you're going to hear no a lot of times, but you can't let the no be the definitive. So you have to always continue to just pursue what it is that you want to do and do it, you know, just go out and do it. You know, you'll knock on a lot of doors, some won't open and some will. So in life, that's what life is about. I think a lot of times people, you know, especially on social media nowadays, they post a lot of the, the glamorous things, you know, so everybody posts all the great stuff, but you know, like I say, you know, nobody's posting their losses though. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, you see the, the cars and you, you see the houses, but you don't see, you know, the times that they, they didn't succeed, you know? So at the end of the day, like, you know, don't get deterred, you know, by anything like that, you know, just keep going, be persistent, be consistent and be good at what you do, you know, and good will come back to you. You can find out more about Kyle and his company at RhythmCouture.com. That's RhythmCouture, R-H-Y-T-H-M-C-O-U-T-U-R-E. All one word, RhythmCouture.com. Thanks for listening and being in my inner circle. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at BobbyOInnerCircle.com. To listen to other episodes of Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle, go to BobbyOsinski.com and select the podcast tab, or go to BobbyOInnerCircle.com or you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Mixcloud, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, TuneIn Radio, Radio Public, and Podbean. At BobbyOsinski.com and BobbyOwnerCircle.com, you'll also find a sign-in form for my newsletter and for alerts for new podcasts. This is Bobby Osinski. I will see you next time. Bye.